you're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode 107. Hi, Wool Academy podcast listeners. It's lovely to have you tune in to another episode of the Wool Academy podcast of season two, where I talk with Evan Thompson from Flock Wool, and we take you on our journey of starting a wool trading company. And in this episode, we actually share how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected our business and has affected all of our lives and yeah, what we did in order to adapt to the new situation. I hope you enjoy this episode. So Evan, it's good to see you again and mm. thanks for your time uh, today. So what's the date today? That May 12th, 2020. So we've already been in quarantine and lockdown for around nine weeks or so yep give or take where you are in the world but yeah <laughs> yeah so how has the pandemic actually affected the flock team um well so i mean it's prevented us from starting our operation in the way that we planned it um and so that's the story that every business is telling themselves right now um our plan has gone awry um but, you know, um, well, I guess, you know, um, what's that? There's a Churchill quote, um, uh, planning is good and plans are bad or something like that, you know? So, yeah, 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 you need to go through the planning process, but, you know, you have to be, you know, willing to adapt and, and you know, or at least accept the inevitability of, adapt, of adaptation um, uh, given events and then particularly given extreme events, or we could actually call this, you know, a, <laughs> a, a fat tail event, you know, statistically speaking. Um, that, you know, this is definitely an anomaly. So, you know, you have to be able to operate around that. Um, or at least uh, because, you know, it's a, it's a rare occurrence, but the impacts are so significant. And so that's where we all are. And you can't really fight against that. Um, what it means for us, um, we have, uh, our plan was to start in shearing season. You know, we're a wool company. When do, when do you start operations? Shearing season. You know, so that, that's how it, that's when you get your wool is when the sheep are sh shorn. Um, and you can't change the seasons. Uh, sheep are shorn at a time for a reason. You know, winter is done. We're coming into summer. Get the wool off the sheep. So that's, there's the elementary answer to that, right? I mean, like, <laughs> well, we don't need to be more technical than that, do we? You know, I mean, that, that's, those, that's the reality. And so in Albania, that starts in May. And we missed a lot of shearing. You know, so, uh, you know, fortunately, like, some farmers shear throughout the course of May. So there's going to be a lot that we've missed. Um, but there will be farmers shearing in the, in the later portion of May, which is when now our collection operation um, is uh, slated to begin based upon the opening up, you know, um, stages um, within Albania. So yeah, that's been the, that's been the main impact. And the, and the result on the back end is that you know, our, our timeline and our expectations, you know, to our partners and to our customers is going to be about two months late. Um, but and that's reality. And this is our first year of operation. So it's like, you know, what we're, we're being born, our company is being born within the pandemic. Uh, so from my standpoint, even though it's, uh, it's upsetting that our plan, we just couldn't do it at all. And, and that, and that we didn't get the perfect timeline or whatever. Um, it's also the type of thing where it's like if we get through this and like we still have a successful year and we're able to our achieve, um, you know, our one container mission, right? One container, get it to the U.S., validate the market, that type of process. If we're able to achieve that, it'll be quite an achievement from my perspective. 
Um, and it'll be the type of thing where, you know, we can maybe even be more um, optimistic about the future and more um, encouraged um, by, by what we uh, may be able to do in the years to come. And my husband and I, we always, um, you know how you have these sayings between you, like mm -hmm. your spouse and, and yourself. And so one of them is stick to the plan. But then mm -hmm. I think at the same time, you do have to be always willing to adapt the plan as well. Um, well, you so are think, German. Yes, <laughs> but, but I think also with at Plockwood, we are sticking to the plan. It's just that we're being flexible and when yeah. it's happening, how things are going to happen, but, but we yeah. still well, have our goal. Th there are more adaptations though too. So like, I mean, uh, our, um, you know, our general cash flow and liquidity was, a was uh, you know, exposed to higher degrees of market volatility. And so, you know, so that meant there were added restrictions upon our liquidity. Um, and uh, what, is our, what has been our response to that? Plus the fact that there are, you know, there are increased global shipping costs and there's less shipping and trade internationally going on right now. Um, so that has put us in a bind for getting some of the equipment we needed at the very beginning. How are we responding to that? We're literally building our own wool press with local source materials rather than exporting it from abroad, you know? And so that's a, that is part of our response, both because we've kind of had to look at alternatives, but at the same time, we're able to source and create something on our own, which makes us more resilient and, and durable to shock events in the future. What are we doing with wool packs? Same thing. We're, uh, we're finding um, a local maker that is able to make nylon packs according to our specifications. So now we have a local supply source and it's for a better price. So, you know, th those are good adaptations that it kind of pushed us into that we were never looking at before. You know, we had, okay, we're gonna get them from this supplier, we're gonna get it from that supplier. You know, but so we, well, we can't operate. What are we gonna do? Well, let's spend our time finding different suppliers. Is there anything local? Can we do anything more creative there? You know, can Albie use his mechatronic engineering degree to any use? Oh, hey, great. That would be perfect for building a wool press actually. You know, so, um, you know, so th those, are, those are really positive things as well. So yeah, like the, 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 the strategic theory of the plan hasn't fundamentally changed. Um, uh, it's, you know, the, the timeline is the main thing that's changed. But at the same time, we have, we have dramatically looked at alternative options for where we are supplying resources um, and, uh, and, and, and what type of a cost structure um, we are able to take in this initial phase. So it's maybe a little bit more of a modification of the plan. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's also what I, I quite um, kind of even enjoy that there are mm. these positive side effects of this terrible pandemic that yeah. yeah maybe you said that, that it makes us more creative and mm. and it allows us to like for example this podcast mm. we have maybe now more time to actually sit down and talk with each other um i've been able to take more time to actually start posting more regularly on our instagram account um so and I see that yeah. also in other businesses that I that I work with that all of a sudden they have these creative ideas and 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 you know come up with new solutions. So I think yeah. that's something that we can maybe learn from this and as you say maybe become even stronger and and maybe keep that as a learning in mind that okay how can we actually do this differently when even if we're not challenged by a global pandemic. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the, the, they're, I mean, they're two um, constant and like endogenous uh, forces within every environment, stability and chaos, period. And, and, they, and they both have their, have their positives and their negatives. You know, you need some stability. You know, if you have to question everything all the time, then you're just going to be exhausted and like be dead by the end of the day, right? Um, but if you're too stable and, and the structure is too solid and you can't move, like, well, obviously your structure is not perfect. You know, and then like, you know, the basic natural properties of entropy kind of function everywhere. So like, you know, it's going to decay and hollow out over time. And, you know, the way that you, you know, remain durable into the future is by having a multivaried, um, stratified way of going, of, of injecting random chaos into the future and, and, <laughs> and finding new opportunities and, 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 and looking at things differently. And, and you can't really predict that, right? Um, stability is the predictive function. Okay, I'm stable. You know, I have a multivariate or I have a, you know, a single varied linear analysis and a, and a Gaussian distribution of how I look at the world. That's stability. And then it's like, okay, well, simultaneously, chaos is functioning. Um, and, 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 that's going, and that's going to come with a different set of, of, of well, it's almost like uh, meta models. You know, you can't, you can't model chaos. And so you have to, um, you know, I'm, I'm stealing 100% from the scene to lab here, but, you know, you have to mine for randomness. And like, so, well, okay, so make the best of the random volatile situations as you can is, I think, the appropriate response. And that's what I think we've done. Yeah. And I mean, so maybe let's talk a little bit how, how we each have been affected. So actually mm. when the pandemic really started to affect a lot of most of the countries and countries were going into lockdown, you were actually in Australia for a business trip. So tell us a little bit about <laughs> that interesting journey you had. <laughs> yeah, so uh, late February when, uh, I mean, the, the, It was mainly only in China in late February, you know, at that stage. I mean, it's, it's, it feels like ancient history now, how, how, how much every day has been, how, how, much, how many changes almost happen every day in, in, in every country. Um, but yeah, it, we, we, had, we had had a trip planned to Australia for one month, for months. You know, that, that, that was already on the books. We planned that back, you know, uh, last year. Um, so... Yeah, that was that was going to happen, and so late February is when it was just beginning. Like, airports were they weren't screening anybody; they were just asking you a question: Have you been to the Wuhan region of China? You know, that was what we were asked, right? And it's like, no, we haven't been there. Okay, okay, we'll move along then, right? Um, so yeah, but we go from there. The only thing that happened: we stopped over in Singapore, and we had a long layover. And they right when we walked in the hotel, they took a um. Uh, a temperature gauge and boom, right on the forehead, you know, <laughs> like, and so it's like, okay, that's, you know, how things, how things are here, I guess. But that became how things were everywhere within like two weeks. Right. Um, so now we're in Australia and, and we're there, uh, you know, throughout almost all of March and each day almost, you know, you know, the country is changing policy. Laws are changing in virtually every country. Um, businesses are starting to shut down, airports are starting to shut down, countries are starting to close their borders to certain types of travel, uh, you know, restriction after restriction. So that was just happening over time. Um, meanwhile, I'm sitting down with some of your friends from Schneider, uh, having, having lunch. Talking, <laughs> talking learning to, about wool, yeah. 
<laughs> and talking to them about what we're doing in Albania, and 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 uh, and they gave they gave us some uh, some lovely merino wool. We have it in a bag. <laughs> so, um, actually, I, that's probably. Yeah, I'm not allowed to transport merino wool. I don't have merino wool <laughs> from <laughs> Australia, <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, so that, that's what was happening. And, and so how it affected literally my wife and I's livelihoods um, or our home was Albania shut its borders while we're in Australia. Our flight was canceled. We, you know, we had no way to get back to our home, to our things, to the life that we had in Albania. And so we were, we had given very limited choices and a lot of unknowns. We were like, well, we're going back to the U.S. now. And that's that. We had already we had already planned on moving back to the U.S. in the nearish future, but that got expedited. So that you know, that's our our personal situation. And then I know for Albi and Gerti, um, the the restrictions in Albania are have been have been very very strict. You know, like basically no movement. You know, you can't go from town to town, city to city. You know, it's not just nobody in the country or out of the country. It's you know restrictions city to city. Um, almost all businesses completely shut, not allowed to operate at all. There's only like, I think, grocery stores and pharmacies that were open for almost a two-month period. Um, so yeah, that's been our personal situation and how it's impacted, you know, our, our team in Albania and then, um, and obviously uh, for the business. Yeah, but from what Albi kept telling us is that uh, wool growers in Albania, they were less restricted. So they were still able to shepherd their sheep, take care of their yeah. sheep, move uh, from city to city as necessary. In so, fairness, wool growers practice social distancing by definition. All day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's true. They, they live, they stay with the sheep mm -hmm. in the field in very cold conditions. When we visited them, we were actually freezing. Um, yeah. In January. So they, they are quite isolated when they are taking care of their sheep. That's true. So um, they were probably quite safe um, outside, but yeah. So that, was, but in a way, that was good for them that they could just continue taking care of their sheep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for me, yeah, I always said nothing much has changed because I, anyways, work from home. So I just kept working from home and just leaving my home less frequently. Yeah. And I only had my husband join me at my desk because he also started doing home office at some point. But yeah, but otherwise it has affected us that we did plan on, on meeting now in May in Albania to, for our first shearing season. So yep. unfortunately, you can't come can't, now. Can't, can't be there. No. <laughs> so, well, but so this is what happened. And you mentioned also how, how the pandemic has affected different areas of, of our business, like the logistics, shipping, mm -hmm. shearing season. Um, but how do you see like long term effects? I mean, I know it's difficult. Nobody yeah. knows really what's going to happen, but so how, or how, if you can't don't know what will happen, how how do you think we should you know, yeah, plan well, if we can't yeah. plan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I hesitate to make too many predictions. Um, you know, everybody right now, everybody has an opinion, and everybody's making a prediction. You can go onto every news site and see twenty different ones, right? So uh, about the overall economy and what this means. Um, but I, I think there's definitely some things that are positive, but there's, there's other things that are potentially quite negative. Um, so let's start with the positives. Uh, sustainable resources <laughs> will, will 
will have a higher demand premium. You know, um, the okay, yes, yeah, single-use plastics have gone up, but you know, uh, you know, maybe things like clothing and things, you know, the uh, things that wool goes into, you know, look at their competitors. Okay, what do the what do the competitors have as different from wool? Well, generally, they they don't last as long. You know, um, the uh, the poly based products are you know are going to be they're not going to last as long they're not going to hold their shape as long they're going to need more washing more cleaning you know just for clothing um if we look at you know carpets and rugs kind of the same story you know the uh, uh things artificial products are going to wear out faster um they're not going to have as high of a quality um and then in addition you know uh they're the focus on kind of the intersection of sustainability and overall health you know hey uh what product helps clean and filter the air and make your environment more beautiful wool you know like so you know flood your house with wool you know and and, and your air is going to be better right so um so that's that there's potential demand uptick on you know a type of product like wool and you know from clothing to carpets and rugs to other forms of manufacturing where it could have some benefits now some of the downsides. Um, and I think there's more downsides. Now, whether that means that they're more in proportion, I'm not sure yet. One of the downsides is going to be wool is a more expensive product. So at least in the short term, demand for wool is likely going to go down because economies have been really strained. So more people are going to be cost conscious. Even if they want that long, they might be willing to invest more in those longer lasting products. Is wool going to be the first on their list? I don't know. Probably not for most people. So cost consciousness for a lot of people a lot of consumers have really been hit governments have been hit businesses have been hit are they going to be willing to invest in wool probably fewer of them you know versus a a a more cost-effective alternative um another negative is going to be the potential um questioning of where are we getting our resources from uh so one of the aspects uh, to do with medical equipment in so many countries has been uh the massive uptick in demand um the uh, simultaneous with a reduction in production and if you're not producing locally you have way way less control as a country over your uh, strategic resources before what did countries consider strategic resources well medical equipment wasn't really on that list we're probably going to be adding it (laughs) into the future you know um but uh but yeah so a strategic resource used to be something like you know metals uh you know for well, for military purposes obviously energy resources and stuff like that um so that's probably going to change more things are going to get put on that list of a strategic resource uh for more national um uh you know within the borders type of production is wool going to be put on that list probably not you know um uh so you know that that can kind of question some things like well so there's still going to be general global demand um uh however um it's likely that more uh, people are going to be thinking about buying locally you know so how does that impact our ability to export our wool because we're not uh, looking at albania as our market we're looking at at the world as our market you know carpet manufacturers um, um external to albania you know maybe in the in the long term albania could be a um, a you know a a full uh, manufacturing country with that product, but at least for what we're able to do, not now, you know. So, so yeah, there's I, I see 
a, a greater quantity of negative potentialities, um, but how that will actually impact uh, the demand of, of, of our product six months, one year, five years from now. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that stacks up with what I think will be a increase in demand for more sustainable, more natural, um, and more health conscious products. Yeah, I think we, yeah, I'd also don't know what the future will be, but I think there are different topics that we can now um, maybe look out for and educate ourselves more. So mm -hmm. I think I see a lot of articles right now um, linking the coronavirus with like a, kind of posing the coronavirus as a catalyst for sustainability kind of yeah. let's take this as an opportunity to to turn our industry around and i think because people saw that all of a sudden it is possible to make a huge change to mm -hmm. to put legislate legislation in place um that is Im immediately effective so if that is possible for this pandemic situation, it should also be possible in, in regards to climate change and sustainability making industries more sustainable. So I think that's yeah. one aspect we should look into and like read more about and see how, how can this be a game changer in, for sustainability within the textile industry in general. Um, and the second thing, I forgot right now, so I don't know what it was, but yeah, so I, uh, oh no, regionalism, that, there, there I go. Um, so mm. the, the second thing, I think, so yeah, we're not maybe looking right now at, at a selling market in Albania, but, um, but I think potentially that, you know, Europe might be a region that could be interested in sourcing more locally. Um, or regionally. So I think that's another trend of what you, you said that, you know, how are we producing things, where are we producing them and how dependent do we want to be on, on global trade. So that's maybe a topic we also need to look into, like how, how are these dynamics changing in favor or against us. So yeah. I think that's, that's two things and, and maybe that's also what the last question I wanted to discuss and when we touched upon it a little bit earlier, like, okay, how can we make use of this time? How can we, you know, make the best um, of this so we can yeah, keep an eye on, on topics being discussed and how, you know, learning from them. And, and I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm using the time to create a lot of content. Um, so yeah, that, and then we don't have to put it out there all, all right now, but in the long term, then we have a lot of content stacked up. Um, to, to yeah, help us with our marketing in the long term. Do you have some more ideas how we can use the time at the moment? Well, some of the things that we've already done, like you know, re-examining our cost structure um, because we've kind of been forced to. And so that's put, put us into a, a more creative space where we're actually, I think, doing things better and more cost-effectively. Um, so that's exciting, you know, and, and I think it adds to our story. Like, you know, we're gonna be building our own wool press. Like, that's great, you know, we'll be, you know, sourcing our, our wool packs locally, you know, so that is, and that's part of what we want to do with this, with the flock story. I mean, the, the our aspirational goal is we rekindle the wool industry in Albania. You know, we're not just trying to get a few containers on a boat. Like the, the objective is to, you know, really reestablish this industry because it used to be there. You know, there's nothing broken 
about the potentiality of wool within Albania. Um, it was just, you know, <laughs> very negative political conditions three decades ago, you know, so, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes these negative events like Corona or like, you know, political issues do create massively negative problems um, that last for, for decades, you know, and so, well, let's make sure that this doesn't happen here. And so, you know, part of that is, okay, hey, let's start integrating our company into the local economy. Um, okay, they're not our buyer, but our local economy can supply our stuff. How can they do it? Creatively make something that they haven't, you know, th that they're already making, but in a slightly different way. You know, um, there's already uh, machinery for farming. There's already presses for farming. All right. You know, a few different dimensions, a few different tools and bam, it's a wool press now. You know, there's already nylon bags. There's already, you know, uh, uh, nylon wool textiles in general. Okay, we'll now make it these dimensions specifically for the baling of wool. And, and you know, and there we go, you know, and then obviously using shipping locally and, you know, and, 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 and working with, um, you know, the, the port in Duras, you know, and not finding any alternative means and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, the, the, that's where we're really changing our supply focus to a very, very uh, uh, local focus. Now, in terms of the regional strategy, there are some limitations right now for us because Albania is not part of the EU. Okay, yeah, it's closer, but still it's, you know, the difference between, I don't know, like, you know, Germany and Belgium and America with respect to Albania is probably close to zero with respect to legislation, with respect to economics, um, trade policy. So where that is for us right now, probably limited into the future. Albania is seeking ascension to the EU. That could very well change and that'll be, um, I think, a great opportunity for us. Um, but yeah, right now I, I see limitations there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's a topic we should dive into in our next episode, talking a little bit more about Albania. Mm. But we probably would have done that earlier, but we thought um, talking about the pandemic is uh, more timely at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> we, we kind of uh, squeeze that in. But yeah, uh, if that's okay with you, I would like to take up that topic in our next episode when we talk more in detail about Albania. Definitely. Okay. Looking forward great. to it. Thanks, Evan, for your time. Speak soon. All right, we'll see you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Evan Thompson from Flockwood. And if you want to find out more, head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 107. And of course, there's also more information on the Flockwood website at flockwood.com. Talk to you again in about two weeks time and I hope to see you then. Thank you and bye for now.